Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To my bed crimers, I'm sending you love. I hope you're having a great day. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Do me a favor, if you like what you hear, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel. Now, let's get started. The Alec Murdoch trial is ongoing today with the prosecution giving their closing arguments. Despite the trial being almost over, there are still so many unanswered questions about the crime and Alec Murdoch's behavior on the night of June 7, 2021, and in the days post the crime. Here are my top 10 remaining mysteries about this crime. 1. Where are the shotgun and the 300 blackout rifle that were used to take the lives of Paul Murdoch and his mother, Margaret. Alec Murdoch made a strange trip to his parents' house a few days after Paul and Margaret died. During that 6.30 a.m. visit, Alex's mother's caretaker saw him carry what looked like a blue tarp upstairs. Months later, when the police were alerted to this item, they went to the parents' Almeida house and found a crumpled blue poncho raincoat in a closet that tested positive for gunshot residue. The prosecution theorized that Alec may have hidden the weapons in that blue poncho, taken them somewhere for hiding or destruction, and then tossed the blue poncho in the bottom of a closet in his parents' house. If Alex is the perpetrator, did he take the weapons to his parents' house, hide them in the smokehouse, then later retrieve them, and hide them somewhere out there in the swamp or pay one of his less-than-ethical buddies to do the deed. We know that law enforcement did not get a search warrant for Alec's parents' house until months after the crime. Alec, as a lawyer, would have had to know that the cops would not be able to get a search warrant for his mother and father's house in the days after the crime. The cops would not have had a reason to, nor would a judge have signed off on such a warrant. Remember, Alex's father had been the solicitor of the 14th Circuit Court, a powerful position with a lot of pull when it comes to law enforcement. Note that Alex's brothers were also captured by a drone removing firearms from Alec Murdoch's residence at Moselle at one point. Could those weapons have been carted away by family members? wanting to help Alec get out of this. Was that incident completely unrelated? I'm speculating here. I have no idea if Alex's brother, John Marvin, and Randy are as unethical as Alec is. John Marvin seemed like a decent guy when he was on the stand, but do we ever really know what someone will do for a loved one? Two, one thing both the state and prosecution agree on is that the perpetrator of this crime would have been covered in blood spatter if Alec is the perp. What happened to the clothing he was wearing during the crime? Personally, I believe Murdoch stripped down at the dog kennels, used the hose that was there to clean the kennels, and hosed himself off in a big way. There was a lot of water 
around Paul's body. When the first officers arrived at the crime scene, Murdoch could have placed those bloody clothes in an industrial garbage bag and taken them somewhere like his parents' house, where he could have burned them in that smokehouse. Conversely, he could have dumped them at the parents' house, later retrieved them, and then found some dumpsters somewhere to drop them in. But I suspect he burned the clothing. And I also do not believe that the khaki pants that were so blatantly left on the floor of the master bedroom in Alec and Margaret's house were the ones Alec was wearing during the crime and earlier that day. He likely had multiple pairs of khakis, and I think he grabbed a clean pair and drop them on the floor to throw the investigators off. 3. Why was the crime scene down at the Moselle Kennels released the day after the crime? We heard from Alec's brother John Marvin that he wanted to take a look at the crime scene when he was at Moselle the day after Paul and Margaret died. John Marvin said he called a police friend of his to find out if it was still an active crime scene. The friend called him back and said it was okay to head down there. John Marvin then describes being horrified by the biological matter that was still around where Paul had died. He described cleaning up the blood and other stuff. This was a complex crime scene, especially when we consider the discussions in court over what angle the shooter was at when he delivered the fatal wound to Paul and how tall that shooter could have been. And based on testimony during the trial, we know that the crime scene investigators or CSIs, were not as thorough as they should have been. Why were they in such a hurry to release that crime scene? It was on a rural property, not a busy street in town. Keeping an active crime scene for enough time to properly process it wasn't going to inconvenience drivers or people living in the area. You have to wonder if the Murdoch name either intimidated the CSIs or if they were pressured by the powers that be in Hampton County to get in and out of there in a hurry. Alec Murdoch, if guilty, must have known that it would have been to his advantage to have the CSIs do a crap job out there at Moselle. Was he already plotting his defense just in case he were to be charged down the line? 4. What was Alec really doing with all the money he stole from his clients, his family's law firm, and his colleagues. Alex said he was spending $60,000 a week on pills to feed his opioid addiction. Many experts on YouTube have said that there's no way Alec could have taken $60,000 worth of pills each week and lived to tell. He would have been dead the first week of doing that. Let's say he really bought all those pills each week. Where did they all go? We know he wasn't taking them, and if he didn't spend all that money on pills, then where did the money go? Alec talked about some bad land deals where he allegedly lost money, but we know we can't believe a word he says because he's admitted to being a liar, and that pattern of lying goes back to at least 2011. Does he have a secret gambling habit? We know Buster and John Marvin like to gamble because they were captured in Las Vegas months after the crime. Gambling. 5. Why was Margaret harmed? We know that 22-year-old Paul Murdoch 
was going to be facing three felony charges in connection with the 2019 boat crash in which 19-year-old Mallory Beach died. It was likely costing Alec and Margaret a fortune to hire defense lawyers for Paul. If he were to be found guilty, he would have been facing 25 years in prison. I heard attorney Eric Bland, who represents Gloria Satterfield's sons, say that perhaps Alec knew Paul was not going to fare well in prison for such a long time. Paul was going to be forever dealing with the costly ramifications of his behavior on the night of the drunk driving boat crash. Did Alec think doing away with Paul was perhaps a mercy killing? We can never know what exactly is in the mind of a perpetrator, but why did Margaret have to be part of the crime? I keep wondering if it's because Alec knew she was about to learn the full scale of his lies and financial misdeeds. There were also rumors that Alec might have a mistress. Don't forget there was a receipt showing the pricey purchase of a $1,000 plus Gucci purse, and that item was circled on the receipt. Who circled the item? And why did they do that? Was it Paul, who Maggie called her little detective? Was it Margaret, who was upset about having money issues, charity donation she'd recently made did not go through because of insufficient funds, causing her much embarrassment and confusion. Because I don't think Alec will ever admit to the crime, I do not believe we will ever know the full reason for both Paul and Margaret's deaths. 6. Why didn't Alec call his eldest son Buster first after finding Paul and Margaret's bodies? If he was certain his family members were done in because of Paul's boat crash, shouldn't he have been terrified for Buster's safety? Maybe tell Buster to head to the nearest police station? Instead, he has Buster drive out to Moselle, where he was certain to see his mother and brother on the ground as he drove past the kennels. Were they covered by sheets by that time? Either way, it had to be traumatic. 7. Why did Alec spend so much time with Margaret's sister, Marion Proctor, after the crime? He himself told investigators that he and his sons did not enjoy spending time with Margaret's family. So why go and immerse yourself in her family at that point? Is it a case of Keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer? Was he trying to show what a broken man he was? 8. Why did the perpetrator leave Paul's phone with him, but then take Margaret's and toss it on the side of the road along the route to Alec Murdoch's parents' house known as Almeida? Where was the logic in that? Was that just another strange detail that Alec thought might convince the police that some other guy or guys or gals harmed his wife and child? 9. How did Alec Murdoch get cut or bruised on his forehead that Alec's mother's caretaker, Shelley Smith, noticed on his face a few days after the crime when he showed up at Almeida cradling something blue. Was that an injury from the crime? Did it come as a result of shooting victims in close proximity? Did it come from running around post the crime, trying to hose himself off near the kennels? Did something fly off and hit him in the face post one of the high-velocity shots? And 10. Why was Alec Murdoch driving a white truck when he turned up at his parents' house on the same day he had 
that blue thing in his arms? And why did he then switch to a black truck? Also, why did he park in an unusual location on his parents' property such that he drove over the beautiful green grass? And what happened in that smokehouse on the parents' property? Why did the golf cart with the flat tire get moved? Basically, what was going on with the smokehouse? If Alec Murdoch is responsible for his wife and son's deaths, will he ever cop to the truth? I don't think so. It's one thing to admit to financial misdeeds and lying. It's quite another to admit to being a family annihilator. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, leave me a comment, consider a membership, check out my Dyatlov incident as well. I think you will find it very spooky.